is a family name right there. Baby Miller, he, um, baby Bob, he came into our lives and we found out about him about uh, 10 to 12 weeks ago when we took the, what do you call it? I don't want to call it the pee stick, but now that I've already done so, pregnancy stick. Took the pregnancy stick, plus sign popped up. Found out about 10 to 12 weeks ago. By the way, can I just rant really quick as a quick side note? I'm sorry I'm a little ADD tonight, but Lauren and I were just talking this morning about how frustrating are those pregnancy sticks? Like how absent of logic is the plus or the minus sign as opposed to just saying yes or no? You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to have to in this climactic moment where Lauren and I are trying to celebrate the, the good news of the new arrival. I don't want to have to decode symbols. I don't want to have to grab boxes out of the trash. I just want to know, do we have a baby or not? And furthermore, Walgreens, let me decide, as a man of my age, whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing. You don't have to tell me if it's positive or negative. I can reach that conclusion on my own. That's my side rant. But back to baby Bob Miller. Um, When Lauren and I got this photo from the ultrasound technician, Obviously, we are like tickled. We're over the moon. Couldn't be more excited. I mean, what's not to get excited about having three boys under the age of five inside of a small house for the duration of winter together? That's bucket list material, right? (laughs) So we figured that everybody else would be caught up in the enthusiasm with us, just as excited as we are. We came to find out that that's just not true. We sent this photo to our family in a little family chain text and immediately expecting like just the rah-rah enthusiasm to match our enthusiasm, I instead got a text from my brother, uh, who I won't name, just for the sake of anonymity, and he said in reply to this text, I know you're proud, but this photo is terrifying. (laughs) And this is not one that I would share on social media. There are nine legs. There are bits of his head floating away from his body. I will see this when I sleep tonight. Again, I'm going to leave the name of said brother as anonymous, but um, what I thought about in that moment, what I told Lauren about, is that brother of mine, um, if this is scary to you to see this photo, just be grateful that you're not seeing what, what I see when I look at it. Because while I also am seeing the nine legs, let me get back to the baby Bob Miller. When I'm also seeing the nine legs, I'm also seeing the floating bits of head kind of wandering away from where the head should be contained. I'm also seeing like hospital bills in our Mickey Mouse insurance that really isn't gonna match the fight that it's up against. I'm also seeing um, that guy right there is gonna be the saboteur of a lot of nights of good sleep. Like there are gonna be a lot of times with as hard as winter already is, I can't imagine how many nights I'm going to have to wake up in the middle of the night just to wake up Lauren and let her know that her kid is crying. So there's going to be some scary pieces. And I was thinking about this, and I wish Ben was here. I wish he was a faithful contributor and showed up at church once in a while. But since he's not, I'll tell you what I was going to tell him. Is that while Ben might see that, and he might be afraid of that, and there are grounds for concern on that photo alone, while he sees the mess, I see it as well, but I see the meaning that's inside of it. I can look at that and I can think about the hospital bill, I can think about the sleepless nights that are coming our way, I can think about how this baby's gonna have a messianic complex, he's born on December 25th, and it's not gonna help if he's named Robert Mueller. I can think about all of the different problems that we're gonna have with this child. I can see the mess, but I can also see the meaning. I can see the grind that's gonna go with this child, having a third child, 
but I can also see how it's going to be an incredible gift. And the more that I start to chew and stir on that reality, how there's these two pieces of this pie that are tangled up together, the hard and the holy, uh, the good and the grind, I just wondered how true that is about every mess in my life. If I actually went into the messes that surrounded my life and not just ran in the opposite direction, perhaps I would see past the mess and actually get to the place where I could hold the meaning. And as I thought about that, I thought about this text. There's a text tonight that we're going to look at. It's in Proverbs 14. Proverbs is from the wisdom tradition of Jewish and Christian faith. It's written by a man named Solomon. Legend holds that he is the wisest man to ever have walked the earth. And he has this line in there that, honest to God, I don't think I've noticed until maybe two weeks ago. But it's a brilliant line. And I think you're going to find it as helpful as it's been for me. The line reads like this. This is Proverbs 14.4. And Solomon says, Where there are no oxen, the crib is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. You see, when I first read this text, I really liked this text because I really like for things to be clean. I like to have some kind of like order in my life. I want some kind of like subduing of the constant chaos. I want to know where everything is. I want my surroundings to be aesthetically pleasing or at least not like anxiety inducing. I like it when the crib is clean. I do, however, as I just introduced you to them, I have some roommates who don't share that same sentiment. I have some roommates who aren't naturally inclined or desiring cleanliness at all times. They're a little indifferent when it comes to the order of things. And that can be incredibly frustrating to all parents of young kids, specifically young kids of the male variety. You know how taxing that can be. Because you can spend an hour cleaning and you know that thing's only gonna be clean for about an hour. And it's gonna fall apart. And so when I first read this text, I thought this text was providing for me some good news. I thought old Solomon had a solution up his sleeve because he starts talking out of the gates about how there is a way for the crib to be clean. There is a way to have order inside of the chaos. There's a way to have peace and stability. There's a way to have some sense of control, to have all of your pieces in their proper place. There is a way to make sure that your crib is clean. But when you keep on reading, you realize that there's a catch to that. Solomon, he is saying that the only way for you to have a crib that is clean is if you do not have a life that is compelling. The only way you can have a clean crib is if you are not proactively in pursuit of all that life has brought your way. Solomon says that you can have an easy marriage if you'd like, fight free, but you can't also have an honest one. The names, the fears as they are. You can have comfort and control and you can have the house perfectly in order at all times, but I'd advise you not to also have kids then. You can have a job that is nine to five and it can be a blissed out existence with no anxiety attached, but I would strongly recommend that you do not pursue your ambitions inside of you. You can have a clean crib as long as you do not have a compelling life. Because Solomon says that if you want to discover the abundant crops, you're going to have to deal with the abundance of crap. Because if you want the crops, you need the oxen. If you get the oxen, you're going to get the crap. Are you catching like how, how good this is? How, uh, that proverb, it just speaks from thousands of years ago into our life today. I, it spoke to my life even this past week. This past week, we have our three-year-old Sawyer who is in the midst of being potty trained. 
And as an implication of that, I found myself on the floor of a bathroom of an old Catholic church, wiping pee off of the walls because Sawyer doesn't understand the concept of aim small, miss small. And so he's just a free flyer out there and it's getting weird really quick. It's disgusting, it's messy, it's gross. But I'm inside of that mess because I understand the meeting and I have to participate in the process of Sawyer's own progress. If Sawyer's only gonna ever, if he's ever gonna move from diapers to Batman underwear, if he's going to actually grow in this thing and make progress, it's gonna get messy before we get to the meaning. Solomon says, where there are no oxen, the crib is gonna be clean. If you wanna stand still, make no noise, Never pursue that, what God, that which God put in you. If you want to do all that, you want to be passive instead of proactive. If you want to join the sidelines instead of stepping into the game, there's a way for you to keep your cr clean crib. But if you want to live life to the fullest, the abundance of life that Christ invites us into, then it's going to get messy for a little bit. And as I thought about how frustrating that mess can often be, I thought about how often I sidestep the mess because I don't want to deal with the meaning. I thought about the image that Solomon uses when he talks about the strength of the ox. Now, I'll, I'll confess to you out of the gates right now that the bulk of my knowledge around oxen comes from traveling at a grueling pace on the Oregon Trail. Never once did I hesitate to ford that 50-foot river. But what I learned on the trail, as many of you did as well, is that oxen play an important role in the survival of people. In ancient Israel, oxen were used primarily for the purpose of plowing the fields. That is what they were there for, the plowing of the fields. And that's an important detail. Because when you read Proverbs 14.4, it makes it almost sound automatic. If you get some oxen, you're gonna make some profits. You bring in the beef and you're going you're gonna to be just fine. But oxen were primarily used for the plowing of the field. And so I see this video right here and I watch how it actually works. And as I watch this and I'm trying to understand how is it that the, the strength of the oxen has something to do with the abundance of my crops, it at first becomes frustrating because I watch this and I notice that uh, there's the farmer. Uh, I see the soil see the oxen, and I see the crop. I don't see the crop. I don't see the produce popping up everywhere. I don't see like success. I don't see a healthy marriage. I don't see a publishing deal. I don't see a business venture that is suddenly thriving. I don't see how the presence of the plowing oxen has anything to do with my own experience of profitability. If anything, what I do see is that the presence of a plowing oxen does not bring you straight to your meaning. It actually brings you straight into the mess. Plowing is the digging up, the cultivating of the topsoil so you can break free that which is underneath. And if we had that perspective of what plowing looks like in our own lives, if we had that perspective of what it would look like to loosen up our own soil, Perhaps when we sense the meeting, we wouldn't be so scared of the mess. I have friends that who have sensed the meaning of how wonderful it would be to be fully sober, and yet they are so scared of how embarrassing it would be to have to go to rehab. 
I have friends who have a sense of how wonderful it would be to have to hide nothing from their partners. And yet they are so scared of what it would happen if they actually said all of their secrets out loud. So many of us have had a sense that God has deposited gifts in us that we are called to boldly bear. And yet we freak out at the idea of flailing and flopping in public eye. And so we find out that it's much easier to abort a dream in private than it is to make a mess in public and we walk away. But what Solomon is saying right here is that the plowing is not the produce, the plowing is the mess. And there is meaning inside of the mess. The abundance happens when you actually step out and you get, come to terms as soon as possible with the mess that comes inside of the meeting. With the things that are, things are gonna get ugly before they get pretty. Things might get scarier before they get more stable. It might be a grind, but you will come to face it that it is also a gift. I was thinking about this and this idea of the mess. I'm thinking about the idea of plowing. Now, I don't know much about farming. I mean, truth be told, I've, we grew a cucumber in the backyard and I got pretty cocky about my green thumb. <laughs> Thought I knew something about the farm life because I grew some cucumbers. But I don't know much about farming. But this idea of plowing, this idea of having your top soil, the idea of ceasing from maintaining the surface of thing and allowing it to break open so the substance can come forth. I know something about that. Man, I have been going to therapy now for the past three months and it is the first time in my life I've ever gone to therapy. Who knew such a wonderful, liberating experience? Anybody else in therapy? Don't raise your hand if you don't want to, but is it not the best thing that has ever happened to you? Amen? It's unbelievable. I walked in there like chest puffed out, feeling a little cocky, like what are you gonna actually teach me? Next thing you know, I am like weeping, I'm like, I don't know who I am. Like, what is going on? But it's this amazing process. We're actually moving towards a place from chaos to more stability, moving towards healing. It has actually made me more aware of the messes that I carry within. There is something about progress, about growing, about pushing forward that actually makes you aware, aware of the messes that you are making, but you are so convinced and compelled by the meaning that is being made in you. And there's something about the act of plowing, of coming to terms with the fact that you are dirt, that you are soil, that reroutes you in who you actually are. One of my old uh, professors talked about how of all the ways that the ancients could have talked about how God was going to bring the first human beings into being, they didn't talk about how God went to Jared and ponied up for all the diamonds. They didn't talk about how God went into his cabinet and got the finest china out and laid it all on the table. What they talk about is how God got into the dirt, scooped up the gravel in his hands, and then took a deep breath in, and then breathed into the dirt. And the dust started to dance. Are you starting to see how foolish it is for us to be afraid of the mess? We are human. We are messy. It's where we root our origins. It's what we come from. And when we understand that we are the dust, and so we don't have to perform like diamonds, we understand that our calling, the work of our life, is not the constant anxiety of what am I going to bring into existence? But what are we letting be breathed into us? 
Is our soil loose enough to actually receive the seeds of Jesus, the seeds of the Spirit? Are new things growing up that may look like disaster to everybody who's watching you, but you know is deliverance because it's just seeds germinating inside? Are you free of that anxiety that comes from trying to perform like a diamond even though you were born to be the dust? And do you know how liberating that is? Because you do not have to be afraid of the messes anymore. And I know that's not an easy thing to do. When we think about health, I mean, I've been telling you guys for a few weeks now how I feel like for us as a community, one of the big aims as we step into the next year is that we need to be a people who are cultivating healthy people for the sake of doing healing work. I believe that. I think we have to move closer and closer to what full health and wholeness looks like for us as persons so we can be a healthy people. But if being healthy, if stepping closer to our meaning means making more of a mess, are you up for the ride that's coming? There's a reason why when Jesus walks up on the paralyzed man, he asks him the question, do you want to get well? Jesus seems to understand that you just can't assume that about everybody. Some people are totally fine just getting by. Some people are totally fine just playing it safe. Some people are totally fine maintaining the surface of the topsoil. But Jesus wants to know if you want to be well. If you want to let some things fall apart, if you want to loosen up your hands a little bit to see what God might do with your insides. Do you want to be well? Are you up for the mess that that means? It's hard not to think about this on the day after John McCain dies. You think about John McCain's life, from prisoner of war, from failing in presidential elections, from all these constant battles that he took on and he took a beating along the way. You think about that man and how somehow, despite the trials that he went through, the burn marks that he picked up along the way, at the end of his life, he said, I wish for everybody else that they could spend their story like I got to spend mine. That they got to experience it. When somebody asked him on the news last night, or not asked him, but asked one of his aides on the news last night how they would sum up McCain in one sentence, just not a small task whatsoever. But this person looked at the reporter and said this, he believes it's better to die fighting than just die. Which leads me to ask, do you? Do you believe that? There is power and there is a privilege inside of participation in the plowing of the soil. Not because it guarantees success, but because it opens yourself up to the seeds. Debbie last week talked about how God uses all of us in, in incredible ways. God uses us in mysterious ways. Your one task is not to fix the outcome, but to be formed inside of this outlook. To have this posture of receptivity, to allow yourself to be broken, changed, expanded, to ask yourself the question, what do you really want? And what are you so scared of that's keeping you from going after it? What are the false limitations? What are the lies? Who messed with your story? Who told you that you couldn't do this or do that? And how would your life look differently if you actually believe that you could? As a practice, what I want you to invite you, what I want to invite you to consider this week 
Um, I've been doing it in my life, and it's been a, a really healthy uh, practice for me, is the practice of naming what I actually want in life. We're on the brink of a new season, a new chance to start the story all over again. A couple of weeks out, for you as a person, for the sake of us as a people, will you live into this next season as a fully liberated and living person? Or are you can be more concerned about keeping a clean crib instead, making sure ends meet. See, what Solomon is inviting us into considering is that we need to live recklessly wide open, even if it leaves us wounded in the end. We need to love our kids with everything we have, even though we have no control over the fact whether or not someday they hurt us, someday they walk away. We hand our hearts to other people, knowing that they have the power then to tear it all apart. But we're participating in life, not preserving some facade of life. And that is a steep and daunting task, but it's what we've been called to take on. So as you think about your life, what do you want? What has what God put in you? The gifts, the passions. What is the honesty that you've, let, that you've yet to let come out? What do you want? As you consider that, I'm gonna close with just this um, video that recognizes both the mess of life but the deep meaning inside of it and the power that comes with being able to name this is what I want for my life. And I'm gonna go into it even if it leaves me bruised and bloody in the end. Living is difficult. It is full of sticky situations and exceptions to truisms. But you don't need it to be spelled out in a book to live by strong moral principle. I want to be the best person that I can be. I want to do well by people. To love deeply and be loved deeply. I want the best life I can get. To be excited to wake up in the morning. I want to think about its existence. To stretch and bruise my brain through learning. To raise children who love learning, who are confident and open and love others. I want to pass to them as many of my pros and as few of my cons as possible. I want to laugh, to enjoy the pleasures of food and travel and art and literature. To see great sunsets and be thrashed by great storms. I want to shiver with wonder and awe at the universe. And nature. To sob at the absurd, unbearable brightness of human existence. To glow red at the heat of human triumphs. I shake my head in shame and disbelief at our broken record failures. I want to be stirred by music, to be broken by drama. I want to live forever. 
see the appeal of slipping away eventually into the eternal quiet. The human lifetime is a season of growth, of a tiny twirl. The human branch, the marble limb of the tree of life. It is a carnival ride and a game of dice. The low bar survival. The high bar is progress. The taste of brie. The sound of children's laughter. With the sustaining fuel keeping us aloft through the surprises of each fresh day.